Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. Our aim is to be a church committed to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, and this podcast is a resource for our members who are seeking to live in light of the gospel among their neighbors and the nations. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Sermon, our weekly foray into some of the questions and issues that we didn't have time to address in the sermon text on Sunday. This past Sunday, we continued our study of the letter of 1 Timothy, a series we've called Entrusted, and we began 1 Timothy chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul shifts his focus from the public worship of the church to leaders within the church. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the sermon, I'd recommend that you do so before you listen to this episode, because what we're going to discuss comes out of the sermon itself. So you can download the sermon on the same app that you're listening to now, or you can listen to it on our church website, lakemurraybc.org. So let's jump into our topic today. Building off the end of chapter 2, Paul begins chapter 3 talking about the offices of the church. The first is the office of elder, pastor, or overseer. Those three words are used interchangeably in the New Testament, and they describe the same person and responsibility. These are the men charged by God to lead and shepherd the local church, primarily through the ministry of prayer, preaching, teaching, and equipping. God in his wisdom has designed his church to function under the leadership and guidance of faithful qualified, spirit-filled men who serve as examples of Jesus, who is himself the head of the body, the church, as we read in Colossians 1, verse 18. Paul then lists the qualifications of the church that we should see in a man before affirming him as an elder or a pastor of the congregation. And as we mentioned last week, it is the pattern of the New Testament that the office of elder is reserved for qualified men who are being called to exercise headship in their marriage and family and are also being called to lead God's church. This is not, as we mentioned last week, in any way a diminishment of the worth or value of women, but it is a clear distinction of roles between the genders in the home and the church. Which leads us to our question today. Though the New Testament seems clearly to affirm male eldership, what about female deacons? Because the second office that Scripture presents to us in our passage this week is the office of deacon. Deacon, which comes from the Greek word diakonos, which means servant or helper, deacons were given to the church to assist the elders in carrying out the various service-oriented ministries of the church. Paul gives clear qualifications for deacons in this passage, many of which are very similar to the qualifications for elders, with the exception that elders are required to be able to teach, and no such requirement is given for the deacons. But in verse 11, Paul writes that deacons' wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded and faithful in all things. Now, you might look at this and say, well, there's your answer. Paul refers to deacons' wives, so he must expect that all deacons are men. But it's not that simple. Let's dig into this verse a little deeper. The word that Paul uses here is the Greek word gune which can be translated wives or simply women. And there's some dispute exactly over who Paul is referring to here. Is he talking about the wives of deacons or is he talking about women deacons? Or is he perhaps referring to a different group of servant-minded women altogether? 
Let's take a moment and consider all three. Some, like the ESV Bible, have interpreted this word as wives. And this would make sense in the passage as Paul is shifting from his discussion on the personal qualifications of deacons to their family responsibilities. Some regard verse 11 as Paul's commendation to deacons' wives to be themselves women of good conduct, lest their husband's reputation and ministry in the church be damaged by their actions or attitudes. And this stands to reason, as the same word, gune, is used in verses 2 and 12, where elders and deacons are called to be the husband of one wife. And it would stand to reason, then, that Paul is using the same word here in verse 11 to refer to that same group, wives of those called to the office of deacon. However, some have translated this word not simply as wives of deacons, but as women. And they've rested their translation on the reality that the word there, T-H-E-I-R, is not explicit in the Greek text, meaning that it can be removed from the passage and the passage could reasonably be translated women likewise or likewise women, arguing that Paul is shifting from speaking to deacons in general in verses 8 through 10 to speaking specifically to women deacons. And proponents of this interpretation also cite that it seems odd that Paul would specifically address the wives of deacons and their conduct, but never the wives of elders in the preceding passage. Though an argument from silence is not definitive, it certainly seems odd that Paul would reference the wives of deacons, but not the wives of elders, as an elder holds the higher office in the church. Likewise, proponents of women deacons or deaconesses would point to the absence of teaching responsibility in the qualifications of deacons as a sign that women can serve in the office of deacon without violating the command of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, that a woman should not teach or exercise authority in teaching over a man. Those who hold this view point to Phoebe as an example of a female deacon in Romans chapter 16. In Romans 16.1, Paul commends Phoebe to the church at Rome, who he refers to as a servant of the church, or in the Greek, a diakonos, the same word used for deacon. Thus, they regard Phoebe as a female deacon or deaconess in the early church and point to her as an example of interpreting verse 11 not as wives of deacons, but as women deacons. Finally, some have translated this passage as Paul referring to a different group of women altogether, a group of women helpers in the church who assisted the deacons in some way by serving the church. Those who interpret this passage, they would reserve the office of deacon for men, but they would translate the word as women. They believe that Paul is giving specific instructions to these female helpers in this passage and that he affirms the important role of women serving in the church while also reserving the office of deacon for men. Those who argue for this or those who argue against this interpretation rather, cite the fact that it seems confusing and unlikely that Paul would refer to this group in the middle of this discussion regarding deacons. Personally, I find this to be the weakest of the positions, but it certainly still has some merit. So what should we make of this question? Can women serve as deacons? But before we answer, we must make sure that a few things are clear. First, the language of the scriptures is ambiguous at this point, meaning that it is open to some interpretation. Therefore, Christians can disagree with one another over the application of this text while still agreeing upon the essentials of the Christian faith. 
Well, I referred last week to the office of elder being limited to men as a second-tier theological issue, meaning that Christians can disagree, but that the application of that text would lead to separation of local churches. I would view women serving as deacons as a low second-tier, if there is such a thing, or perhaps even a third-tier issue within the church, meaning that I believe people in the same church can come to a differing opinion on this issue and yet still remain in close fellowship. Second, since there is no definitive scriptural prohibition of women serving as deacons, the issue should be left up to the local church as a matter of prayer, wisdom, discernment, and consideration. As Southern Baptists, we hold to the autonomy of the local church, which means that each church is made up of regenerate members who themselves are filled with the Holy Spirit and are able to interpret the scriptures unto salvation. Likewise, God has given his church qualified godly elders whose responsibility it is to serve the church by helping them to understand and apply the truth of God's word to their lives and context, meaning that each local church has the responsibility to decide regarding who they will call to serve the church, particularly in the office of deacon in this instance, and they are not beholden to any other church or entity or organization for their decision, so long as they are seeking to be faithful to the scriptures." And so this is an issue of church practice, not of church faithfulness, because churches across our convention interpret this passage differently and yet still remain faithful to God, his word, and the mission of his church. Third, I do want to again reframe the conversation, not to just be about what women can or can't do in the church, which is a reductionist way to have this conversation, but rather I want to affirm the important role that women play in the life of every church regardless of whether they hold an office in the local church. Women at Lake Murray in particular have and continue to serve our church faithfully and excellently in various roles and responsibilities. They are a gift to our body and play a vital role in our past, present, and future. Though historically we have not recognized or ordained women in the office of deacon in our church, I cannot say for sure that this will always be our position. Because the scriptures neither clearly commend nor do they clearly prohibit a woman from serving in the role of deacon, each local church must answer the question based on the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the leadership of the elders, and the decision of the members. There can be a case made either way, and when this is so, each congregation must come to their own decision based on wisdom, prudence, and a desire to be faithful to God and His Word. Ultimately, we recognize God's word as our final authority in all things. Where God's word is clear, we must be clear. Where God's word is less clear, we trust the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom on how best to apply the truth of God's word to our context. This is the beauty of the local church, that the people of God, men and women, redeemed by grace, saved by faith, and seeking to walk in faithfulness for the glory of God and the good of one another. So let us here at Lake Murray Baptist Church seek to walk in this faithfulness to God and his word, relying on his spirit and the wisdom that he gives in all things as we seek to be a church committed to the great commandment and the great commission. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We'll see you Sunday. And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Murray Baptist Church, and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Murray Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Murray Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. 
For more information about Lake Murray Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others' good.